Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So um, this afternoon, I want to explore um, practice that actually runs through a number of the different steps in this awakening joy process. I don't think I actually went through the sequence with you, and uh, I realize um, that would probably be a good thing to do. Um, and then exploring this this piece, which is um, forgiveness. Um, <clears throat> for those who are uh, have been wondering, okay, well, all of this joy sounds good, but what about the hard stuff in life. Um, I want to first communicate that opening to the hard stuff is as much a path to joy as being with the sweet moments. And in the, I'll give you a little bit of an overview before we go into this theme. Is this okay? Can you hear me okay? Um, the the sequence i'll i'll tell you the, all the the 10 steps and we've been just kind of like touching out of sequence just to put, depending upon what was called for and what uh what was called for the the teachers to to share uh, but it starts as i did i think that first f- full night of practice um with intention the intention to face in the direction of greater well-being and then how mindfulness is the key tool to all of this, weakening the unwholesome states, strengthening the wholesome states, and when applied to a moment of well-being, that that's how you maintain and increase those wholesome states, as the Buddha spoke of. Then the, the third step that I put in, in the sequence of all these are teachings from, from uh, Buddhist um, philosophy, is gratitude, which opens the heart naturally. And probably, uh, it was actually moving in the interviews uh, today, just getting a sense of how that, it seems to naturally happen, not always but by and large, as we open ourselves up with mindfulness, the heart naturally feels connected and sees all the blessings so much more easily. And there's a natural feeling of gratitude. And it was really moving those many times that we could be on the, re- the observing and witnessing end of that. The fourth step in this sequence is opening to the hard stuff. That is finding well-being and maybe even joy, but well-being and seeing that going through the hard stuff and opening to that, you're learning to open to everything instead of protecting ourselves from, oh, do I have to feel that too? There's a price that's paid when you close in fear, in protection, uh, too much. It can be healthy to know how much you can take, but if it's just a habit of, oh, I can't, I don't wanna feel that, there's a, a price to pay because you also cut yourself off from feeling everything. So that fourth step, opening to 
well-being and opening to the difficult is a key piece in this. It's really as much as anything what we're learning to do here at Spirit Rock, and I'm sure you've had ample opportunities to, to do that, but I just want to underscore it and name it. Then the fifth step in this particular sequence is something that the, the Buddha said is the foundation for genuine ease and well-being, which is to be in harmony with, with ourselves and with the world, to live and act with integrity. There's a price to pay when we are out of integrity and we do things that are either harmful to us or not aligned with our highest values or harmful to others. Remember, we took those precepts at the beginning because they create a sense of, of openness and alignment, what the Buddha called the bliss of blamelessness when we are not creating harm to others or to ourselves. Sila, the word is in Pali, which is um, ethical conduct or um, acting with integrity. The sixth, in learning to restrain ourselves and go for what really makes us happy, um, moves to that letting go that Deborah was speaking of. Letting go, instead of acting on every impulse, letting go of stuff that we don't need, letting go of the more addiction to more, letting go of our filling up every piece of white space in our lives and getting some space, letting go of the stories that we believe and the, the, the full expression of letting go is generosity where we let go and feel connected. In uh, Buddhist teachings, the word nekama means renunciation, and the Buddha talked about the joy of renunciation. It doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, does it? But renunciation, he said, this is where there's real freedom to see, to distinguish what we want from what we really need. There's no end to our desires, but to see that we can do with very little is so freeing and is also what this planet needs us to get in this unsustainable culture of more. And we think of it as, uh, one way to think of it is simplifying. Isn't that a word that, that lands in a different way than renunciation? Yeah. Oh, just simplifying, just giving some space, just being um, content with what we have. Okay. Letting go then the more we particularly let go of our stories of who we think we are or how it all is and uh, usually stories that are, uh, that are often based in fear or judgment, then we go to the next step which is also a key piece and we've talked about it here, learning to love ourselves, learning to see who we really are beyond our stories see what shines through naturally. And the more we can see that, the less we're looking for everybody else to confirm that we're okay. And so the more you really get what shines through, whether you try it or, or try to shine it or not, that's who your friends see, whether you realize it or not. We're usually the last ones to to see what everybody who cares about us and loves us sees. And so learning to love ourselves is a key piece because then we can let all of our goodness shine through. Love ourselves, or if that's a stretch, just be kind to ourselves because we deserve it.
that leads to the eighth step, again, natural principle of, of uh, Buddha Dharma, which is um, sharing that love with others and feeling a connection to others. And the Buddha said, clearly we are interrelational beings, social beings, and the steps of right speech, right action, and right livelihood in the Eightfold Path are all about how we are in the world. And it's a source of tremendous joy to feel that connection with others and a source of great pain when we don't. That gives rise to the natural expression of that connection and caring, uh, which is compassion. And we've been talking about it in many different ways, starting with self-compassion, but then also expressing our caring in the world. And then the last step is what's called the joy of simply being, where instead of thinking you need to cultivate anything, to just stop and rest and be and see, oh, life is moving through this form called me, that I'm not in control of, that life expresses itself through me. And there's a deep sense of peace and freedom when we stop getting lost in the idea of this separate self as being separate from everything else and that I've got to figure out how to control the show, but just to let life move through you and use you in a skillful way with an open heart. So those are the, that's the, the general arc of all of these teachings. And we'll continue to explore some of them. Uh, but I wanted today to, as I said, focus on forgiveness, uh, which is a theme, you know, we've been doing heart practices. We did self-compassion and compassion. We did um, loving kindness, metta. We did mudita, sympathetic joy. Um, and this is a heart practice. It's not one of the four Brahma Viharas, divine abodes. You, you, it won't, it's not one of the, the buildings there, you know. It's not, there's not a building of forgiveness. Um, but it kind of runs through. Um, we'll get to, we'll touch on the equanimity uh, before the retreat is over. But forgiveness is a theme that as I was kind of looking at all of these different wholesome qualities, it kept on coming up, coming up in opening up to the hard stuff and somehow learning to forgive life. It comes up in the, the integrity, the bliss of blamelessness, sila, forgiving ourselves for where we've missed the mark which is what the literal translation of the word sin is, is missing the mark. And where we've missed the mark and we have regrets and remorse and places that need to be healed, forgiveness is essential in that. It's, it comes up in that loving ourselves learning to forgive ourselves for all the ways that we don't quite measure up to our standards of what we'd like to be or the ways that, whether it's our body or our mind or our uh, emotions or whatever, that, um, that we have a, a preference that could have, I wish it would have been different. To really forgive ourselves is an opening to loving ourselves. It comes up obviously in forgiving in relationship to others, both when we need, when we need forgiveness for things that we, that are unresolved, that we've 
um, created and also asking forgiveness. I'm sorry, not asking for um, the opposite, extending forgiveness that where we've been on the receiving end. So I thought that our heart practice today, we could explore this uh, in these various modes. How am I doing? I do want to, before we get into that, just remember, I think it's something that Jane mentioned in in one of the talks um, about going through the hard times and those places where the heart contracts or there's been challenges. That's part of life. That's the first noble truth. And learning how to go through it and learn from it and wake up in it and to it. The Buddha said this is one of the most um, profound ways to get off the wheel. And he has this one teaching. He says, suffering in this one list. There's lots of lists in this thing. Maybe you've seen. This one list that's very profound suffering can lead to faith arising. This is list, by the way, if you want to look it up and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and see the source, uh, you can Google transcendental dependent arising and impress your friends when you do that. But this is the list, suffering can lead to faith. Faith can lead to um, gladness. Gladness can be a causative factor for joy to arise. Joy can lead to contentment, concentration, all the way to the highest peace and happiness. And you think, how can that be? Suffering can lead to faith? And I just want to ask, quickly, how many people have gone through challenges and difficulties that have led them to look for deeper meaning in life and deepen their spiritual journey? Look around, that's how it works. It's not a guarantee. Suffering doesn't always lead to faith. It can lead to bitterness, it can lead to contraction, it can lead to anxiety and fear and all of those things. And that's part of being human too. But don't underestimate the fact that when you're going through hard times, it can be a deepening in very profound lessons where you understand and have a deeper meaning to what life is all about. And that's how suffering can be used. That's why the Buddha said, I teach about suffering and the end of suffering. And he says, first you have to be willing to, uh, to not be afraid to touch a suffering. So given that, let's explore, go on a little journey of, um, with forgiveness. First with ourselves. We can be so hard on ourselves. As Jane mentioned, uh, there's this teaching of the second arrow the Buddha talks about. The first arrow is, ouch, this pain is really unpleasant. And then the second arrow is, I'm such a pathetic meditator because my body isn't, isn't working as well as I'd like, or this emotion is here again. You know, there's the, there's the fear and then there's the judgment on it. Look at what a pathetic, fearful person you are. That's the second arrow. That's extra. The Buddha said, one arrow is enough. You don't, you don't have to compound it by saying, by having a judgment about what's actually coming through. And that's why loving kindness and forgiveness is so 
key to this. Maybe you've seen in these, in these days ways that you can be hard on yourself or somehow not measure up or somehow be disappointed in your, your body or disappointed in your, your mind and the thought patterns that it gets lost in or disappointed in your heart and all the emotions that, that come through that sometimes can sweep us away. It's all just part of being human. And your body is following its own laws. If you had any control over your body, you'd probably just say, oh, knee, stop hurting. Doesn't work that way, does it? Or if you had control over your mind, you'd probably only have all beautiful thoughts of blessing everyone, you know, and probably a few others slip through, right? Who's to blame? Do you say, I could go for some rage right now? Yeah. No, it just comes, you know. How about self-doubt? Yeah, that, that'll do me good, you know. It just comes all by itself. In the same way with those feelings. They just come on their own, whether it's sadness or fear or loneliness or worry or wanting. It's all just part of being human. And there you are seeing the human experience. Remember, in this fathom-long body, the whole of life is revealed. So this is your laboratory to understand what we're all, the predicament we're all in. So first, as we do a little bit of um, forgiveness practice, uh, first we'll go on a little journey which is part metta and part forgiveness. So I'd like you to go inside, close your eyes for a moment. And um, first we'll practice this forgiveness towards ourselves in these three domains. First, your body. Start by appreciating the amazing gift that you've been given. This body that functions and serves you in so many ways that you don't even realize until there's something a a bit out of whack, a bit off. But when you're not caught up in that, your body is just serving you in an amazing way with the five senses, with your different systems, your nervous system and your endocrine system and digestive and circulatory system and muscular system and all the things that you read about in Gray's Anatomy, there you are. You've been issued this amazing expression of life. And for a moment, appreciate that. Wow. There's a whole army battling invaders every moment just to serve you. Just appreciate it. It responds to your love. And then within that body, as everything in this physical plane is subject to, there's impermanence. And things at times don't function as well. Or there's aging or illness, and finally the end. The Buddha said, think every day that we're subject to aging, illness, and death. That's part of the package. It's okay. That's part of the deal here. And appreciating in your, your body that way, and then just noticing the places that need more loving support and patience. 
and forgive your body for those ways that it's just doing the best it can and sometimes needs some more support and understanding. Don't miss all the ways it serves you and send love to those places that need it. And in that love, there's an expression of forgiveness. I forgive, I forgive you for this or for that one or for just being human. The body responds so much better to kindness and forgiveness than scolding. Just give it some. Now, move to the domain of mind and thoughts. And first, get in touch with this amazing mind that you've been issued that has all kinds of thoughts just coming and going and coming and going. Thoughts of kindness, thoughts of understanding, thoughts of making sense of the world around you. Many wholesome thoughts. And within that context, there are also other thoughts that have been practiced just because of conditioning, because of circumstances, because of events. There's thoughts of confusion, thoughts of wanting, thoughts of judgment, all just part of being human see those in the context of this amazing mind that you've been given. The most complex thing that we know of on this planet, the human mind, the human brain, and forgive the ways and the times that it gets confused. Just habits, just habits of mind that get activated. I forgive you. The mind responds so much better to appreciation and kindness than to scolding and frustration. That's what allows it to open up and see clearly. Don't work against yourself. Forgive yourself. Forgive your mind. And we can move to the domain of the heart also, just so closely related to the mind. But all the emotions that get activated and have a biochemical response as well, whether it's cortisol or oxytocin or all kinds of responses, you've been given a palette of emotions and feelings. Isn't that amazing? You can feel so many things. And just appreciate that for a few moments. All the ways that you can respond and 
be moved in this world. And along with all the beautiful feelings, there's love, compassion, peace, generosity. kindness, joy. There are other feelings as well that make up part of being human. Fear, confusion, sadness, worry, wanting, all part of the package. But appreciate the fact that you can feel all of these things and that you can train the heart if you hold it with kindness and love and understanding Forgive your heart and send it some appreciation. And you might, as you're in this quiet space, ask yourself, What do I need to forgive myself for within these domains? Is there anything that is hard for you to accept about yourself? And if something comes to mind, imagine someone else filled with self-judgment about this would you be able to forgive them? Just let the wisest and most compassionate part of you forgive that part, that confused part that doesn't feel good enough. And if it's at all available, let yourself feel the wholesomeness of your compassion. And you might reflect, what, what, what do I need to understand in order to truly forgive myself? And if you're not quite there, but wish you could forgive yourself, just stay in touch with that wholesome wish, that aspiration, and know that in time, you can get there. It all starts with intention. You can gently come back now. Like, uh, before we go on, I want to read to you a poem that I love one of my favorite poems of all. This is called Awakening Now by Dana Falds. Just listen. Why wait for your awakening? The moment your eyes are open, seize the day. 
Would you hold back when the beloved beckons, beloved being the divine beckons? Would you deliver your litany of sins like a child's collection of seashells prized and labeled? No, I can't step across the threshold, you say, eyes downcast. I'm not worthy. I'm afraid. My motives aren't pure. I'm not perfect. And surely I haven't practiced nearly enough. My meditation isn't deep and my prayers are sometimes insincere. I still chew my fingernails and the refrigerator isn't clean. (laughs) Do you value your reasons for staying small more than the light shining through the open door? Forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true self. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. Forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true self. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. In the third Zen patriarch, one of my favorite treatises of Dharma wisdom, he says, to live in the highest realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. That's when you know you've really made it. (laughs) To live in the highest realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. Let go of being perfect. Just be yourself. That's probably good enough. Everyone else is taken anyway. Just be yourself. So forgiveness towards ourselves. Hmm, There's another line I like. Robert Bly who says, every part of our personality that we do not learn to accept and embrace will become hostile to us. So if you don't like your, or if you're angry at your anger or uh, frustrated by your frustration, whatever it is, that's the place that needs being held. Just like if a child is having a tantrum, do you say, I'll come back and love you when, uh, when you calm down? No, you've got to learn to love the whole package. So now, this then can be extended towards others and our relation to others. We do things that we later regret. This is just part of being human. The Buddha says, if we've done something that we realize has caused harm, he does not say, beat yourself up and feel really guilty. Just want you to know. And I'm something of an authority on guilt. It's part of my lineage. Um, And all guilt does is just self-perpetuate how either rotten you are or how off you are. The Buddha says instead, apply what he calls wise remorse and see what can I learn from this situation. Instead of keeping on replaying it and every time you replay it, yep, I really was a jerk and that's who I am. 
what can I learn? How can I grow? How can I be better next time? Then he has this one discourse to his son, advice to Rahula, Maji Manakaya number 61, where he says, if you've done something unskillful, and just reflect, oh, how did that feel? And you might either confess to someone else who you trust and respect, or in these days, make amends if you can. But understand, what can I learn so I do it differently next time? Then nothing is wasted. As long as you're learning, one of my teachers says, as long as you're learning, there are no mistakes. But we keep on beating ourselves up often and we can replay that for the next 40 years. A line I love, probably many of you are familiar with it. Forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. You can't change the past. What can I learn from it? And so to not dwell on how awful you are, but to see you just missed the mark. As it says, here's a passage I um, probably a number of you are familiar with. Um, Jack has it in his book, The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness and Peace. Lots of different collections of, of wisdom. And he says, in the, Bebe the Bebemba tribe in Africa, when a person acts irresponsibly or unjustly, he's placed in the center of the village alone and unfettered. All work ceases and every man, woman, and child in the village gathers in a large circle around the accused individual. Then each person in the tribe speaks to the accused one at a time, each recalling the good things the person in the center of the circle has done in his lifetime. Every incident, every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All his positive attributes, good deeds, strengths and kindnesses are recited carefully and at length. This tribal ceremony often lasts for several days at the end, the tribal circle is broken, a joyous celebration takes place, and the person is symbolically and literally welcomed back into the tribe. Pretty good tribe to hang out with, wouldn't you say? If that's the first time you ever heard it, were you thinking, what are they gonna do to this guy? <laughs> you know? And then you hear it, doesn't it make sense? He just forgot his goodness. And that's what we do when we keep on remembering all the awful things we've done. On, on one retreat, I, uh, my first Metta retreat, I thought of all the awful things I did because that's very natural. It, the Metta brings up all the other stuff. And it took me a while to get that when you cringe, when you say, oh, I can't believe I did it's actually a healthy sign because it means you're no longer that person. I can't, how could I have done that? Ah, that's not who you are anymore. Hopefully you learn. So we can do some forgiving in relationship to others, both asking forgiveness and extending forgiveness. And here's something to consider about forgiveness. We're the ones that benefit when we can somehow learn to forgive others. Desmond Tutu, who was the, uh, the head of the um, healing after apartheid, who heard all of these stories of of uh, abusers and, and victims, you know. He says of forgiveness, he says, forgiveness is the highest form of self-interest. I need to forgive 
so that my own anger and lust for revenge does not corrode my own being. Now, you might not be ready to forgive someone else. You have to go through the, the healing process of feeling your pain and your hurt and your grief and feeling protection. But in time, know that if you can somehow open your heart, you're the one that's benefiting. The Buddha has this image of of not of being lost in bitterness and hatred as picking up a hot coal wanting to hurt someone else not realizing you're the one that's getting burned or drinking poison and hoping the other person will get sick you know? so this is something that we do for ourselves but you can't force it and pretend that you're somewhere where you're not. And as I said uh, in, in response yesterday, I think it was with the Mudita, that if you aren't quite ready to forgive, but wish you could forgive, get in touch with that wholesome wish. I wish I could get there. That's a good start. It's very different than I will never and I will hate till my dying day I wish I could forgive. There's something good in that. So how to both forgive others and, and ask for forgiveness. Uh, share with you a, a teaching I received from a 13-year-old um, uh, young woman in uh, Trinidad when Jane and I visited a number of years ago, we were invited to come and share with um, the uh, educators and teachers and uh, the school system there. And we met this uh, quite amazing uh, young woman named Lel Ann. And she said, um, oh, I want you to um, know about this project, this uh, invention I'm working that, on that I think can lead to world peace. I said, oh yeah? Got my interest. She said, um, it's called a perspective helmet. You put it on and as soon as you do, you can understand the perspective of the person that you're talking with. I said, I'll invest in that. If you can figure out how to do it, I think you're on to something. Because that is the secret. Everybody is walking around with a reality that makes sense to them. As bizarre as it is, as misguided as it is, as hurtful and mean-spirited as it can be, we are all subject to our conditioning and our events and life events, and we're walking around with our own internal reality. Have you ever had the thought, if only everybody saw it the way I see it, this world would be so much better place. <laughs> However, everybody else is walking around with that idea too. The Dalai Lama has this, this um, teaching. He says, when somebody hurts you or upsets you, Understand that generally they're not trying to hurt you. It's just their internal reality is intersecting with your internal reality in a way that has been hurtful or doesn't meet up with your hopes and expectations. But to understand as misguided and pained and wounded and lost in ignorance someone is, that's the key, I think, to forgiveness. One of my favorite of all spiritual teachings is Jesus on the cross saying, forgive them, they know not what they do. It, it doesn't get any more open-hearted than that. Because if somebody knew what 
real happiness was about, they wouldn't hurt others. So when you're wishing well for someone or when you're hoping that they'll see the light, you're not condoning the action, you're just wishing that they wake up and hoping they wake up because then they won't hurt others as well. So we can do a little bit of both asking and extending forgiveness. And I invite you to go inside. And first we'll do um, asking forgiveness. And actually when I say asking forgiveness, it's not so much um, demanding that somebody will forgive you. That might be a little bit premature, but it starts with the vulnerability of a sincere remorse and hoping that in time someone can open their heart. So I, if there's something that's not resolved in your life and you want to experiment with mm, having some um, reconciliation, bring someone to mind that you wanna explore this with that you may have acted unskillfully with whether it's sending the email or having that reaction that later on you say, oh, that wasn't so good. And you might imagine them right here in front of you at whatever safe distance works for you. And if you can, get in touch with any remorse that you have. You might reflect on your state of mind and the confusion or the ignorance, the obliviousness or the um, lack of sensitivity that would cause you to harm in a way that you later regret. And just get in touch with what might have been going on for you. And as you do, just imagine apologizing to them just saying silently to yourself, I'm truly sorry. I'm truly sorry for any harm I might have caused you. I'm so sorry. And I hope in time that you can open your heart and forgive me. But I just want you to know right now that I'm Truly sorry. If it's possible to imagine them hearing your sincerity and taking in your words and really letting it touch them. And perhaps in time forgiving you Just notice how that feels. We do things out of confusion or for whatever circumstances activated something in us. and see what you might have learned so that in the future you might do something, do it differently. And you can dedicate that 
new, wholesome direction to both your well-being and their well-being. Sometimes it's called sharing the merit of your new understanding. And now, having been on that side of the the encounter, we can move to the other side of extending forgiveness. And if you are wanting to experiment with somebody who you feel like you'd like to open your heart to, then bring them to mind someone who's perhaps acted unskillfully towards you, whether or not they realized it. Maybe they did, maybe not. And just cause you to suffer in some way. And imagine them at whatever safe distance you need in your sphere. And for a moment, reflect on their state of mind and the confusion or the ignorance or the lifetime of habits and their own conditioning. That would cause them to harm you. And if you feel up to it, with that compassion and understanding, extend forgiveness to them. Silently saying, whatever words resonate for you, but something like, for the harm that you may have caused me, intentionally or unintentionally, I forgive you. I forgive your confusion. Not condoning the action, but understanding that misguided or distorted or unconscious reality that would cause someone to harm you just as sometimes it works the other way around. I forgive you. And you might imagine seeing them take in your words and feeling your forgiveness if that's available. And if it is, notice how that feels. And if you're not quite there, forgive yourself for being just where you are. And if you can get in touch with the wish that you could forgive, then just rest in that Finally, appreciate yourself for going through 
this exercise, both sending kind thoughts and forgiveness to yourself and expressing your remorse towards others and extending forgiveness to others. And just appreciate, as the Buddha says, the wholesomeness of your thoughts. So whatever, however that landed for you, hold it with kindness and appreciate that intention. Okay, and uh, let's take about 10 minutes to, um, to stretch and we'll come back for a 20 minute sitting from 5.10 to 5.30. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.